Hey there, Zlatko here. Welcome to What Is My Brain podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I get the opportunity to chat with fellow founders and business operators about their journey and how they got to where they are now, where they are going and how they're going to get there. I'm planning on bringing guests and touching on topics such as running multiple businesses, executing ideas, and just spitballing about random topics and current events. It's a casual conversation, and that will hopefully bring value to anyone that decides to listen. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for tuning in. Cool. We're live. Uh, we're, we're, we're live, Nathan. Uh, thanks so much for, for uh, joining the podcast, and thanks for willing to be on it. Um, you and I uh, exchanged a few emails, and then we never got to talk on a on a video till about like what two weeks ago i think it was so pleasure having you on man um i I, i'm loving everything you guys are doing over at growth machine i know you and i talked about like personal brands and stuff like that so uh, i'd love for you to introduce yourself let the let the people know what you do how you got here where you are where you started and where the fuck you're going man (laughs) yeah absolutely i'm happy to give the overview and it's it's nice to be able to get on a second call with you already after such a long right 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 one so yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm head of sales and new client strategy at Growth Machine. So my day-to-day role over there is talking to anybody that potentially we'll be working with. So whether that's new inbound leads that are coming through, people that get referred over to us, doing outreach, I'm kind of the, the engine that drives everything that's coming in. So a lot of talking to people. It's fantastic. I love it because I get to talk to all sorts of great people, yourself included, other entrepreneurs, and, and really do this, some initial diving into is this a good fit for their business for us and making sure there's um, kind of a mutual fit between both sides, which I'm sure I, I saw you had a recent post on LinkedIn. Um, setting client expectations is important. Yeah. Starting to have those conversations early on in the process yeah. is, is something that matters. And um, so that's really where I kind of get going. Prior to that, I've had a life, a corporate life where I worked in retail. I also worked in um, CPG and demand planning and doing some other boring things. So we can go that way if we want to, but I, I really like where I'm at now in the sales side and, and working with uh, all sorts of interesting businesses and founders. I love it. I love it, man. Well, the first point I want to touch on is what what is the number one thing that makes you feel like tell the client like, nah, you're not a good fit for us? Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I feel like there's all sorts of red flags that come up with clients. Give me like, a few. Give me a few um, that you're just like, what, when you hear it, you're just like, Yeah, oh, let's no, see. No. Okay. I mean, I think one of them is like... Uh, the, 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 as soon as they try to start piecing apart the offering. So oh. uh, for us, like we have a pretty much a, f- a full service option and it's the person who's like, you know, I, I like that you do uh, X, Y, Z things all together, but can we get just keyword research and you just edit some stuff, but we're going to do the writing. And we, you know, we, like we, they start to kind of pick apart the plan. I know right there, it's like, it's going to be a control issue. They're not going to want to give up. Um, and and, relinqu- and you have to give up some control. Right. If you're going to be working with an agency, working with somebody else in your business, you can't try to, to hold on to all these different aspects. And it then forces us to change our process, which is going to make things less efficient. And ultimately, you know, we're trying to streamline it for you and make sure that we can move the, the ball down the field and keep things rolling. Yeah, 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 absolutely. No, that's, that's the same thing with us over here. It's like, you know, oh, yeah, I, I mean, we just... I had a client call not too long ago where it's like, yeah, I need you to do this, but you know, can we take this part out of it? And it's like, eh, it's kind of an all or nothing deal at this point because we know we've been down this like pipe already where we start piecing things together. Things get fragmented. Results aren't good. We start getting blamed for things. And then it just becomes this downward spiral that you don't want to be part of. And you start to see those very early on when those conversations happen. 
measuring the results like you just said there like that's one of the big problems yeah. when you start piecing things apart especially with like, seo right okay, well, especially if, with seo right yeah if we're going to use you know, for people that might not know i'm sure you know most people who listen to you seo search engine optimization basically appearing in the search results on google um, there's a lot of elements that go into that and when, what we're doing is creating content so if you're going to be the one who handles the writing and we only do the keyword research and we turn that over to you and then you know six months down the road things aren't going very well you know, and you're going to blame us. Is it our fault or is it your fault? Maybe you haven't executed very well. Right. And, you know, like it's one of those things where like you, you got to go all in or all out. And we do have options that are more just strategy where we turn it over and say, look, it's up to you to execute on this. But, you know, you can't come back to us and say this didn't work. It's like it's one of those how many times have people taken a course, they sign up for something and then they never do anything with it. Right. Um, so that's why when you do the full program, you're, you're kind of all in. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, let me ask you, what kind of uh, what is the like majority base of your clients? Are you guys working a lot of like is it mostly like e-commerce brands right now? Are you working with startup companies like, you know, apps and SaaS and stuff like that? Or is it kind of a mix of both? Like where, where do you guys usually or I guess the question is, what who do you guys attract more, most of the time? Yeah, it's it's a definite mix. I would say like our biggest success stories are almost all D2C brands. Okay. Um, so, you know, the more consumer, the more broad base appeal you have, um, I think the better this model works for you. It can definitely work on the B2B SaaS side as well. Um, so we have some very big B2B SaaS clients as well as, you know, some e-commerce clients. Those are sort of the two main buckets. But we recently had, you know, two apps that came through and have had quite a lot of success as well. Those kind of, I would say, cover off the main branch, but Really, a, a, one of our specialties, I'd say, would be like health, wellness, supplements, fitness. So if you're a company like you think Perfect Keto or, or Kettle and Fire, uh, the type of businesses where these people are, you know, if they're health conscious, if they're doing research, if they're asking questions, and you think about the keto wave that happened maybe five or six years ago, right. that was like a spot, right, where there's lots of people like, what is the keto diet? Is the keto diet healthy? Is it safe? Yeah. Like all these types of questions you can create content for. Um, so th those are really great fits. Now, the B2B SaaS side, it can still work. But of course, you know, if you're, especially say you're going after fortune 1000 or fortune 500 companies, um, it, it might be, you're putting out a lot of content and you know, one lead from one piece might be worth $500,000 to you or a hundred thousand dollars. So it's, it's a little different game when you're like, Hey, we're, we're putting a lot of effort into this content. We're only going to get a couple leads maybe, you know, per month or per year out of this. And it takes a long sales cycle. But it's uh, it can still be very viable and, and is obviously important. You'll see big brands investing in their content for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and uh, when you guys, uh, majority of the time, are you guys working with like uh, some of these brands that, let's say they've had a little bit of SEO strategy done by somebody else and you guys come in and just sort of pile on top of that? Or are you seeing most people just kind of, they hit the ground running, they went paid ads, got their customers, you know, making revenue. And now they're like, wait a minute, that means if we stop spending money on Facebook ads, there's really nothing else tying us to another customer. Like we need some sort of like fallback, which I don't think SEO is a fallback, but some people think of it that way because they're like, oh, well, I need something to carry me through the times that I can't pay for the ads or whatever, or if it's not converting properly. So where are you guys catching these clients usually? What cycle are they usually in? And, and you know, how does that usually turn out? Like, let's say six to 12 months down the road, like, are they seeing those results being like, oh, wow, this is amazing? Yeah, I'd say like the the better catch is the the group that's come in and they've they've grown a lot but they've they've maybe just started to touch the beginning of some content oftentimes like who's a perfect client for us is they come in and they say we've done really well with paid ads 
We've done influencer marketing. We've got our email marketing set up. They've tested these other channels and set those up. They're standing, but they're like, you know, we're spending $10,000 a month, $50,000 a month, $100,000 a month on paid ads. And we want to, you know, reduce our spend on that. We can't burn forever. Um, And also too, it's just, it's an unreliable channel in the sense that if you stop paying those for those leads, they're going to go away. So yeah. how do you start to, to cement that? So that person, when they come into us, it's, it's a really easy one to say, they're like, Hey, we've thrown some content at the wall, but nothing's really stuck. We don't have like too much of a strategy. Yeah. That's the best pickup for us to say, okay, great. Like let's go in. Also there's learnings that come out of your paid, like what converts well for you? What is expensive to bid on? Maybe also too, there, there's been plenty of studies shown by these big SEO companies like Moz and Ahrefs. If you're the number one paid position and the number one organic position, you capture an insane amount of the clicks that come onto the first page, right? So there's lots of um, benefits for doing that. And I'd say the, the best ones are have your other marketing channels set up. And actually, one of the questions you asked about what, what makes for a, a red flag, do I turn away? If somebody comes to me and SEO is the first thing they've tried and they don't have a good reason for why SEO is the first thing they've tried. Okay. So like say you're a, res- you're a restricted category, like, uh, you know, you, you're in the cannabis space. Right. SEO might be your only option. Right. Uh, you can't do paid ads or it's really tricky. But if you're somebody else who, you know, you, you sell a SaaS product and you haven't done paid ads, you haven't done um, these other channels, you don't have email marketing set up, you haven't d- done anything else, you've never tried a webinar, you, there's nothing. Um, and you're like, oh, you know, we need to get leads and we're going to hail marry it into to content and hope it works with SEO. I always tell them, look, we, you need to try these other things first because they're faster, they're more iterative, you can test a little more quickly content, you're going to be investing for a few months at least mm-hmm. before you start to see any sort of results that you, you can really get your, your hands on. Yeah. And, and I'm sure you guys are always fighting that, you know, instant gratification model where people are like, well, if I, if I put out three pieces this week, do you think we'll get any leads? And you're just like, and buddy, that's not how it works. <laughs> oh my God. Dude, it's, it's the worst when somebody's like, you haven't even published their first pieces of content yet. And they're like, when, when are we going to be at like a hundred thousand monthly visits? Like, <laughs> A long time from now, yeah. a long time from now, 12 months, like a year from now, you need, you need to give this some time to bake a little bit. Yeah. It needs, it needs to marinate yeah. before you can go ahead and just like expect this to come out right away. So that's one of those conversations. I, you try to head it off early on in the sales process and I want to make it as easy as possible for our project managers and things to manage. When I say to the client, like they ask, it's a very common question, right? How long is this going to take? Um, and I can give them a timeline somewhat. I'll always go on the more conservative yeah. side. It's six to 12 months before you're really going to get the results you're hoping for, right. which is, you know, thousands of new visitors, tens of thousands of new visitors coming through to your business. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be a little while. Expect to wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and uh, have you guys had any, whether it's recent clients or over the past, I don't know, couple of years where um, you guys did do some initial work and, you know, maybe it was a clean slate where they just came to you at the beginning or like, Hey, we need this. We know what we're doing. You know, usually those are the people that are already building their second brand. And they're like, you know, we need to start with the SEO piece. Have you guys seen any like quick wins where you're like, man, we just released this like first month and it's already, you know, the visitors, like they kind of capture that category. Like, have you, have you had that recently? Yeah, I, pretty recently, w- within the last year, actually, maybe a couple months ago, um, it, there are cases where people come to us and they are starting SEO right from the beginning. And like you said, these are usually second, third time founders or people that have joined a company. They've been hired on as the marketing director and they know I've done content for mm-hmm. a past business. I, I know this is important. We want to start planting the seeds because we're not planning to harvest for 12 months, two years down the road. This is long term. So we had a company come in, though, and we saw some pretty early success. They were, they were an app. 
uh, and they focused on planning bachelorette parties, essentially. So oh. uh, they, they, they catered to beyond just bachelorette parties, but really that was the core of what it was. So um, yeah, when they came, we were doing, I think they were getting a very small amount of, of traffic, maybe a, a few thousand, somewhere around 5,000 monthly visitors. And then within three months, they had already shot up to like 20,000. Oh, wow. Um, so you, you can pick up like, you know, it's a 4x, 400% increase almost in your, your traffic um, over just three months, which is pretty fantastic. So that that can happen. And just because they had a really content rich area, there was tons of things you could talk about, like, you know, games for bachelorette mm-hmm. parties, how to split costs at bachelorette parties, best cities for bachelorette parties, guides to those cities. There was all sorts of things you could really talk about and uh, it was lower competition. So easy to kind of break in. And do you guys usually, are you guys usually the ones doing the idea generation for those content pieces or do they provide you with like a list and be like, these are the things that we need to cover and you guys do your magic to like, like adapt to these topics? Yeah, it can, it can go either way. It can be collaborative and that's usually the best approach is I'm sure it's the same for you. You want a client who's not so involved that they're like trying to micromanage you and tell you how to do your job. But you don't want them so aloof that when you send them something like, hey, what do you think of this? They're like, they don't respond to you for three weeks. <laughs> yeah. um, so ha- having that nice middle ground is, is really where it's the best. So when we onboard people, we get them to share, you know, what topics do you want to be an authority for? What do you think is important to your brand? Who's your competition that you think is doing a good job? Um, and, and we, we kind of get some of that information up front. But we do most of the topic generation. Um, just because what we're looking at is keyword search volume, difficulty, relevancy to your brand, intent. So we're coming up with that. We share it with the client and we ask them, like, take a look at this because while we're looking at it from a search perspective, you know your business. Is this relevant to you? Are these things you actually care about? Or would you prefer we try to go after some different topics that are maybe more difficult or have lower volume, but, you know, they're, they're more relevant to your brand. So it's a little bit of both, but I'd say we generally lead on that effort. I love it. I love it, man. Um, and in terms of um, when you guys are working with some of these like companies that are, you know, D2C brands and things like that, have you guys ran into a lot of cases where, you know, they're getting the traffic, but the sales are just like not happening because their product is, you know, whether it's not good or they're just something's not working? Like, have you guys had that happen quite a bit? Yeah. I mean, this is one of the trickiest things with, yeah. with content. It's the same thing happens with all sorts of things, but you know, you can build it and they will come <laughs> as like a field of dreams yeah. reference, but not necessarily are they going to buy anything from you. Right. So if you land on your website and it's confusing, like even once they read the content, if it's, you know, hard for them to go check out the products that they wanted or like, there's all sorts of things like your sales funnel is. And also I'll tell people to do when you have some content on your site, somebody comes in and reads a blog, um, especially if you're selling a higher ticket item, if you're selling something you know, it's D to C, but maybe it's a hundred dollars or $200. And it's, you know, it's a more expensive product. Like even like a weighted blanket, you would think like, Oh, people are going to buy this right away. But you know, it can be two or 300 bucks for someone to purchase that. They're not going to necessarily buy the first time on your website. What the content is doing though, is getting them into your system, but attribution for sales becomes a little bit tricky because once they visit your blog, you know, now you can get them on, you got your pixel set up, you got your analytics set up. You know who's been to your site. You can follow them around with retargeting ads. You can get them to give them your email. You can remarket to them that way. So if they come and visit your blog and then a month later they click on an ad and then they give you their email and then they buy an offer on Father's Day or something, who gets the credit for that? Is it the blog that originally brought them in? Is it the email that converted them or was it the ad they clicked on when they came and provided the email? So it's it's a little bit trickier, but sometimes the sales don't come right away or 
immediately on the surface, you have to kind of look at a little bit further, like, is this something that is building trust, building authority, helping the brand get recognized in the space? And that's ultimately helping us deliver more sales in, in other channels, whether that's through direct outreach sales, or if it's, you know, people coming in through paid ads, because they've, they've seen your content, they've interacted with it, and then you've, you've caught them a second time. Yeah, that's super tricky. That's super tricky. When you lay it out like that, it's like, there's all these different pillars. And it's like, if, if, yeah, the content brought you in because you were searching for something, but you're not ready to buy. And then, so that's, that's extremely tricky. Now, uh, I know you and I both have um, kind of uh, stepped into the world of like LinkedIn and social posting and stuff. Um, Have you guys entertained that as a possible like content strategy for a lot of your clients to start, you know, I I obviously know like on the website, that's really important because it's driving the domain authority and all this other stuff. But I know, I know LinkedIn, I know like medium and some of these other like channels, um, they're pretty powerful because it's more concentrated. It's, you know, some of it's gated, some of it uh, is not whatever. Um, do you guys see that as like part of your new like strategy going forward? Because that's where a lot of the writing and the, a lot of the consumption is happening right now. No, it's, it's, it's really true, right? Like, I think it's one of the things that other agencies and like companies have, have acknowledged and, and found as well is it's it's a lot harder to build a company brand on like a LinkedIn mm-hmm. or a Twitter than it is to build a personal brand. Often the the way that um, even for us, like when not our the founder yeah. of Growth Machine like is interacting with people on Twitter, it's through him that they would hear about the business, not through like the Growth Machine Twitter or the Growth Machine right. LinkedIn. So I do think. It's, it's a big part of it. And one of like, you know, our most successful clients, one of the best things they can do is if they have a notable founder, um, somebody who has a following and they can share some of the content, you can get initial push behind it, which can really help speed things up. It is important, but it's not something that we're looking at managing just because the social side becomes an entire kind of other skill set. And beyond just reposting your content on there, I think there's like, we can dive into it. There's a lot more to, I think, building your personal brand or, or building a brand that people want to interact with um, and trust online, as opposed to just um, po- posting out the content, which which is like what some people would consider building the brand, but it's kind of just, you know, the easy, laziest step you can take. Yeah. And that's, uh, and that's one thing at, at Taco that we're... <clears throat> excuse me, that we're uh, starting to do a lot more because we, you know, at, at one point, I think we were releasing at least like one blog post per uh, per week and, you know, really like heavy, like long form stuff. And, um, you know, I, like I said, I started, you know, doing a lot more writing myself like the past three months. And it's one of those things where I'm starting to realize the different trends that are happening. And I went to, you know, uh, our CEO, Emma, who does also our like content stuff, and I was like, you know what? We need to parlay and repurpose this content, like to like drive that. Because the, my my whole thing, the, when we talk to clients, is you know, clients will come and you know, we want to do this with Shopify. We want to do all these th- different things, and then they're like, and then we're just gonna you know hit it with paid ads. And I'm like, okay, before you go go that route, the thing, kind of what you said in the beginning, is like cement some some sort of uh, a content on your site that at least. When you're driving that, people, if they don't buy, at least they can read about the product. They can read certain uh, topics. They can see different resources that they can actually, you know, and then take those and repurpose them, whether it's on LinkedIn or Twitter, create threads, create whatever it is, and let them live out there. Because at some point, if you're building that strategy, if you're building that personal brand, all that ties back into you and, you know, whatever notable businesses that you might have. So that's been like one thing that we're trying to do on our end as well. Obviously, we have 
I don't know, <clears throat> years of content. So it's just going to be one of those things where we have to go back like the yeah. last like five months and start there and just like break it all up into different pieces and like repurpose it and get it back to the blog. So um, it's something it's something I'm really, really interested in with like a lot of your clients because I know you guys do have some notable brands like Kettle and Fire and stuff. And, um, you know, I know the, the founders of some of those are, you know, pretty notable on the Twitter side of things and all this. And so I'm just always curious to see like how many of those people actually take that content and like leverage it on their personal brand to bring it back, kind of flywheel it into their brand. It's a, it's a really interesting point you bring up because the, the parsing, parsing it out. And um, just to add, if I was, if I was on the other side, if I was on the other side and you guys were managing my content, like I would almost hire somebody Mm -hmm. internally, like a VA and like, say like, okay, this blog is doing really well. Now go break it up into a different format. Like go break it up into bullet points versus like a whole, like, you know, blog post or something like that. So that, that I feel like some, somebody you should definitely like impose that because you can't, you can't lose that way. You, you just paid, you know, you guys, you guys charge people for this stuff and they can do whatever they want after that you guys do it for them. So why not just parlay it into these other pieces? hundred percent. I tell them on the call, I say like, look, they're like, what, you know, especially when they're asking like, how long does this take? What can we expect? I'm like, look, you'll get more out of it. If you're utilizing this content, exactly like you've said, yeah. you know, chop it up and send it out. Like do, do a monthly email that says like, Hey, uh, in case you missed it, this was our top performing, most popular blog yeah, post this month. Exactly. Um, or like, you know, the, whatever the certain seasons coming up, right? Like say you're a, a fashion brand or whatever, right? There's obvious things like, you know, oh, it's this, the summer seasons coming up or like Christmas seasons coming up and you're a retail like software or tax seasons coming up and you're an accounting thing. Like, don't forget to check out this blog article about like the five things you need to know for tax season as a business owner. Like all those types of opportunities and you can drive them back over or um, you tweet it out, you break up little bullet points that's super valuable and it's just repurposing that content. And that's what I tell them too. I'm like, this content isn't, it's great to put it on your website, but it shouldn't just live on your website. It should be sales enablement material. It can be stuff you send out to people. Your client comes to you, potential client has a question. You say, oh, here, like we have an article that goes more in depth on it. You you can deliver extra value. Exactly. And that's literally that. I'm so glad you brought up the last point about like, sending them back to that blog because that's literally all we do when we have a sales or anything like that we're just like you want to read about recharge instead of me sitting here typing email like here's a link to our you know our, our blog and you can right. get all the nitty-gritty details and all this other stuff so no that that's really awesome and i do think that there's there's going to be a play and I, I know a lot of people are already doing it um about really leveraging you know the social media side of things as being sort of the pillar for those things the only problem with that is that you run into Kind of what you said in the beginning is like, you don't want to build around a platform because not that LinkedIn or Twitter is going away anytime soon, but at the same time, you don't necessarily own that. You don't know what's attributed to that. So at least when you're on the web, on, on your website and you have it on your blog, at least then you, you have a touch point. You don't, you know what I mean? Like it's one of those things. So it's, it's extremely interesting. And I feel like uh, there's going to be a lot of changes on how not only content is written, but it's how it's also delivered and how it's distributed. Like, I think a lot of that stuff is funneling back into social, like social blogging rather than just like website blogging. Yeah. I mean, you look at Twitter and all the threads, right? Like now these, the mega threads that come out where people, you could almost have a, a blog article and turn it into a thread. You can definitely use it as yeah. before of a, a, one of your, like, you know, here's a thread on and you have, you know, 10, 10 points that you're going to go through. Um, and at 140 characters each, you can get a, basically a, a mini blog article or half a blog article put out through there. 
And threads tend to do really well, especially if you're delivering what people see as valuable information. Um, maybe they would never read your blog article if you said, go read my blog, but for some reason, they'll check out your whole thread. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. With the little finger pointing down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thread below. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, and how are you, uh, how are you now? I know you and I talked briefly and kind of switch gears. Like what is your, what is your goal kind of building a little bit of that personal brand and like putting yourself like, I mean, obviously you have a lot of experience. You probably have a lot of knowledge to share with people through your process of sales and, 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 you know, with, with everything going on a growth machine and you being sort of the funnel that like drives all the projects and everything i'm sure you see a lot of stuff behind the scenes like how are you parlaying that into like personal experience personal brand personal growth yeah and pretty much exactly that on the sales and marketing side and things around seo that that's just where i started right so i think that's sales and marketing obviously a big topic for people on linkedin uh if, if you care about that you, you can go find all sorts of people talking about it so i've just started posting what i know um i remember like one of the first posts i made on linkedin that was more successful was just about uh, my, my frustration with clients that would come in and i think my example was like somebody who wants to rank number one for the word insurance it's like <laughs> no you don't want to rank number one for that word because like unless you're state farm or all state or one of these companies like unless you hired an nba player to like do a commercial for you recently, you don't have the budget to compete for that. And also it's super like low intent. What somebody who's searching that could have all sorts of questions. They could be looking for house insurance, right. car insurance, life insurance. Like what are you doing? So, you know, you want to search for something that's much more, much higher intent, like car insurance for a 16 year old. Um, right. Like that's a way, way higher intent because it's probably a parent looking or the kid themselves doing research, figuring these things out. Um, so I started writing about things like that, kind of just like you said, playing into what it is I know. And it's interesting because I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. The the mixture between the professional sharing of information around what, what it is, you know, I'm an expert in versus also just my own thoughts and opinions. Because like I was saying, I think where the personal brand succeeds and the the company brand fails is companies don't have personalities really. Right. Um, so with, with a person, like I can share this information, but for people to feel like they can trust you, I feel like they also want to see some reflection of what you just think about other topics, um, whatever that is. So like whether it's, you know, a little more open minded stock market or the layoffs that are all happening. Like you see people talking about that a lot. Yeah. Like a little more open minded. They want to see that there's a human behind this whole thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I love that. No, I think I think for uh, what I've started to notice and I, uh, you know, uh, getting back into like sales calls and different things like that, you know, now the and it's if you don't catch it, like it's one of those things where people say, you know, oh, yeah, I read about your company and then I took a read about your team or I took a, you know, I've searched your name in the thing and I saw that you're doing all these other things or whatever it is. And it's like, oh, now people are sort of connecting that dot back from like the personal to like the brand and seeing where that because i think and i could be completely wrong i think drop shipping uh really ruined that for a lot of people because you were just mm -hmm. kind of like set up the store there's no personality behind right. it and it's just like this like revolving door of products coming in and out and I feel like now people are like, man, I've had so many bad experiences. Let me see if there's an actual real human behind this. And um, you and I were talking about Upwork not too long ago. And I think right. for me, like as a lead generation thing, when I was starting as a freelancer, that was always one core component that I really wanted to make sure that came across, whether it was in my in my first like response to the person. It's like, 
no, I'm a real human. And like, if you want to jump on a video chat right now, or if you want me to take a picture of myself, I will. Like, I'm not hiding behind some camera somewhere in, you know, who knows where saying that I'm in a different place, because there's also a lot of that. Like, there's a lot of people that are just kind of trying to do the workaround and all this other stuff. And there is something to say when you solidify it. Like, for example, like Nat, Uh, Nat has built a personal brand. He's built a business. He's built a couple different businesses. And everything that he did, it's always like, well, I could talk about, you know, for a minute, he was talking about like tea and different things like that. Now I can go talk about like SEO stuff. And now I could talk about DeFi and I could do, you know, all these different components. And I think that's okay. And I think like, yeah, you need to have maybe more of like a niche focus in certain areas, but it's okay to have your thoughts and opinions. And, And I heard something great today. It's like, well, I made, you know, a million dollars last year and, you know, I consider myself an expert, let's say, but the other person that made $5 million now, like, am I not an expert anymore just because he made 5 million, you know what I mean? So you have to also take that into consideration where it's like, no, you could be an expert on a much smaller level, but you can still know your shit really, really well. Yeah, of of course. Like there's, there's levels to the game, but also there's, there's people that are, you know, they're not chasing the biggest bag. The guy who only maybe did a million dollars, maybe they value, you know, only working 16 hours a week because they have young kids and they want to spend as much time exactly. as well versus somebody who's, you know, 26, they're really hungry. They're, they're just plowing all the money they make back into the business. And like, they're, they're really trying to grow. I mean, both those people can be experts. Exactly. One of them just has different priorities. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love it. Now, yeah. what, uh, where, where do you think, like, what is your next, uh, kind of, goal with your with your uh brand is it more like you know you want to get into like the advising and consulting pieces of it or where where do you kind of see yourself taking your your journey because i know you know obviously like i said in the beginning you're posting a lot of content you're talking about your experiences like what are some ideas and you know sometimes your ideas may just be like oh i need to pivot because i just saw another opportunity but like where do you where do you kind of see that going yeah i think two two things that actually one of them was inspired by you in our, our previous conversation is like the, the info product space and you can call it courses or whatever right. it is, but nowadays it's, it's easier to share what it is, you know, what you're an expert in. And I think figuring out what it is that you're good at and can, and, and this is what one of the advantages of the content piece as well. If you're posting and building this brand, inevitably, occasionally something kind of hits a little bit and you'll, people will interact with it and you can see others oh, interest behind this you know, is this something I could build an ecosystem around? Could I build a course? Mm-hmm. Could I, should I do a cohort? Could I do something with this? Um, so I think like that would be something that interests me would be finding um, what I would have an interest in maybe trying to teach others. Uh, I love teaching and, and talking to people. So I think um, getting that sort of an opportunity would be potentially maybe the next step. I also do like the idea of the consulting or, or advising sort of a thing, especially for for brands that maybe I have some, some passion about in the sense that like, if they're doing something for a cause that I believe, yeah. in, I guess is where I'm going here. Um, I think giving away a little bit of, of, uh, your, your time and your skills and abilities, it, it, it's good for the universe. It's going to come right. back. If you like, you know, the, the person who also works at that company or advises them on the board, you get to talk to them and then that opens up more doors for you. So I think that side is, is where it would be, or the info product. Those are the two areas. And it's actually funny because one of the things you mentioned, um, with, with like being a real person, I don't know. I don't know if you do this, but maybe it's just the sales side. Every time I basically get any meeting, any lead, anything, pretty much the first thing I do is I 
take their name and I just go put it in a Google and type LinkedIn behind it. Yeah. And I look for them on LinkedIn, right? Yeah. So like, that's the reason I chose LinkedIn as the platform first, especially being in sales, because I'm sure they're doing the same thing to me. Everyone I talk to, they're going on mm-hmm. and checking to see, you know, are you a real person? Have you ever said anything before? Uh, or are you kind of just uh, yeah. uh, an, an anonymous automaton? <laughs> right, 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 exactly. And then you see that they viewed your profile and I was like, I knew it. <laughs> yeah. That's still yeah, the creepiest yeah. thing about LinkedIn, by the way. I hate that they have that feature, but it, it is what it is. I, you got to pay for it. You got you to gotta pay to know, but they uh, they definitely know that you people love to see who's been looking yeah. and how many have yeah. been what looking. A, what and, a mousetrap, yeah, yeah. man. What a fucking mousetrap. <laughs> yeah. I, I had a question for you yeah. actually that I wanted to ask. Because something I've been uh, uh, playing around with a little bit lately yeah. is how I plan my day and like set my schedule and especially with doing sales, right? How I allow myself to get booked up for meetings. Right. Um, so on, on your side with the agency in the past and what you're doing now, how do you plan your day? Do you set aside certain time? I know some people are free flowing and some like to lay it up by the minute. So wh- where do you fall? Okay. So uh, two answers to that question. One is, yes, I have a plan, but it's also a plan, like a work in progress plan as well. Like, so there's constant like optimization. One thing that I, um, especially being now back into the sales side of things at, at Taco, um, one of the big things that I did probably, I want to say a couple of years now, maybe even a little bit longer. It used to be a lot more free flowing with my calls. Uh, one thing I realized is fragmentation starts to happen really quickly. Um, because now, you know, I am sitting here doing some work, helping my team with stuff. And all of a sudden, somebody, you know, booked a call in this period of time, and I have an hour gap now a call, and then I have to go back. So to me, that was always like, man, I don't really feel like I get anything done at this point, because I'm constantly going back and forth. So two years ago, three years ago, something like that, uh, I, I I think I read something, whether it was on Twitter or or I don't know what I saw. And somebody was like, just block off your calendar for two. Oh, you know what it was? Um, I think I ended up uh, reading, uh, you know, Jason Fried, uh, Jason Fried from Hey.com and Basecamp. Have you ever heard of him? Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know him from Basecamp. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, um so he had something that he said that that clicked with me. And obviously, you know, they have like this whole thing about not having phone calls. Everything is asynchronous. And I'm just like, okay, well, I'd love for that to be the case, but it's just not possible with like agency client work. Like it's yeah. possible, but it's really not that possible. You know, it's, it's hard. It gets messy. Yeah. Sometimes it creates more problems. Yeah, it yeah. just everything takes 10 times longer. And yeah, it's a little bit, you lose a little bit of your sanity, but I mean, it is what it is at this point. We're still young. So um, I, uh, I noticed, but something I took from him was like, you know, don't basically like, don't let your clients like, just throw themselves on your calendar because that's your time. You delegate when that time is given and when that time is taken. So like you have to be on both sides of it. And so I just went to doing Tuesdays and Thursdays are sales calls days. Those days are completely Mm. open uh, with obviously like an hour or half an hour buffer time between each call. Um, And in the beginning, you know, you get a client, let's say on a Friday, sends you a lead. Or maybe let's say a Thursday and it's already been your call day and they come in the middle of the day. Obviously, we don't let people book on the day because that's just crazy. And so they'll be like, oh, wait, I have to wait till Tuesday. And I'm like, yeah, that's just how we do calls. And I'm telling you, man, it's been one of the best, like one of the biggest blessings because of the fact that you don't know how many people thought that they would hate that. And then they're just like, okay. Like, I'll sure I'll wait. And it's just one of those things where you're just like, that's all I had to do. Because before people be like, Oh, you don't have anything tomorrow. And I'm like, Nope, like my calendar is right there. 
whatever you see on there. And they're like, well, every other day is blocked off if, except Tuesday and Thursday. I was like, so you put something on Tuesday and Thursday, man. <laughs> like, it's not that really, really that crazy. That's so, the thing. But yeah, blocking off those separate days because then Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I mean, it's just all work. It's just, you know, anything that needs to be done gets done. And then also, I think, I think it allows the team to kind of adjust to that schedule a little bit because we didn't start evol- involving our project managers on sales calls till uh, pretty recently. So it was also one of those things we want, we want people mm. to also have a little bit more balance because a lot of our folks are doing other things on the side. Maybe they have side businesses and different things. So it allows us to give some structure to the chaos a little bit. And I think that goes mm-hmm. both ways. It goes for me and goes for them. So that way, you know, expectations on Tuesdays and Thursdays are, you know, Z getting back to me on something is going to be if I have like 10, 15 minutes or an hour in between a call, if I'm not eating or something like I'll get back to you. But if I don't just know that it's going to get done the next day when I don't have a call. Um, but to that point, so that's on the sales side, but to the point, then it's like, you know, all, all these other things going on. And I think for me, what I've been working on, this is the work in progress part is like, for me, what I've been working on is, um, so, you know, having a service agency, having a, you know, a product agency, building a personal brand, having the podcast, like all these things start to like kind of like layer on top of one another um, is figuring out time blocks. And that's one thing I'm working on is like, okay, in the morning from the time I, you know, have my coffee at like six, six thirty in the morning till let's say, I don't know, eight o'clock, nine o'clock. Like I want to make that like a time block where I focus simply on some of my personal stuff. Like, let me just get that out of the way. Let me get some of that stuff dialed in um, and kind of go from there. And then after that, it could be like, okay, go into the service side of things. All right, what does what does everybody need from me? What's going on? What's on my to-do list? Okay, I can knock most of this out. And then maybe the second part of the day is like a little bit more balanced. Like maybe that's like me, you know, going to do exercise or whatever it is and then coming back and doing some product stuff and really figuring it out because, you know, that doesn't have necessarily like client deadlines. That's just internal stuff that we set for ourselves. So I think I'm still working through how I how, how I phase out my day. But I do have to say being in the service side of things that sometimes make it, makes it a little bit hard because you're constantly having to put out, whether it's a small or a big fire, there's always a fire to put out one way or another. Yeah, I think with the service side to any, any service agency, you know, as well, like, there has to be some flexibility. Like I, I set my calendar as well. I, I like to take all my meetings before two 30 in the afternoon, yeah. because just as far as follow-up goes, when it comes to sending over proposals or doing, getting keyword research started or doing something else for them, I want to give myself time at the end of the day. I don't like to take calls right at the end of the day because it always means working late mm-hmm. um, and, and pushing, pushing things over. So I like to give myself a buffer at the end of the day. And in the case where somebody really needs to meet with me, like one one case I'm sure it's happened to you before at least is we'll get a client from like Australia or Singapore yeah. or somebody reaches out and they're like, I have to make some sort of an exception. Right. But I, that's okay. I'm okay to make the exception, but the exception can't become like the creeping rule where I'm making these exceptions all the time and just open up that calendar. And actually, um, I'm, I'm curious, especially on the personal side, because you were talking about how that all slots in yeah. the podcast yeah. and everything else, the personal brand. Um, I heard Alex... I think it's Harmozi, Hormozi. I'm not Harmozi, sure yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy from Gym Launch. Yeah, I saw he he did uh, said something. I thought just, it resonated super well with me um, because I'm I'm the type of person I can procrastinate um, if I don't give myself some sort of a debt. Like I need a date on the calendar that this has to be done by, um, or otherwise I can kick it down the road. Right. So one of the things he was talking about is like how do you get more productive? Like the people that the Elon Musk's of the world 
They're super productive, but they don't have any more time in the day than you do. So how do they get so much done? And it's by, by putting time constraints onto things. So if you're going to be reviewing ad copy, and you're going to do that for 30 minutes. Okay, well, you have 30 minutes, so you, you can't be as perfectionist or nitpicky. Like, you, you know, mm-hmm. you can get as much done as you can in that time period. You're working out for one hour. Okay, like, I'm going to hit this workout really hard. And I know it's coming between 12 and 1. So, like, by putting constraints on onto doing things, whether it's coming up with new blog ideas or, um, you know, working on your own podcast, if you have that in the calendar, like we do today, you know that there's an hour or an hour and a half or whatever it is of time that you're putting towards something. Um, and it, it kind of gives you, the, the right to work on that exclusively. And like you said, that's, that's where like protecting it from those interrupting calls. There's no time less productive than 30 minutes in between two sales calls. Exactly. Like, <laughs> you can never get anything done. Yeah. I get a drink of water and get a snack and back to it. Like that's literally what it comes yeah. down to. No, I, I really like that. And I think the time constraint, like that's, that's kind of where I was going with the time block stuff is like really on the yeah. calendar setting that up. But, um, yeah, I just, I find it, uh, and this is, again, procrastination. I, I read something, again, by Jason Fried the other day, was like procrastination can sometimes be the biggest blessings because you'll actually get shit done when it's like there's a deadline. So if you procrastinate, if you know that something's due in a week and you wait till the day before, like you have no choice then to get it done because it's due tomorrow. Like you have no, co- so I was actually, he turned that around and he flipped it really nicely. And I was like, I can get behind that because I used to procrastinate a lot more. So that was a big thing. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's that's a really interesting thing to talk about. And I think for me, Uh, with a lot of these like different tools and especially like our internal operations like one thing that it's been like a really big goal like at taco and everything else that we're doing is you know really making sure that like the the core operations were as automated and as efficient as like possible and you and i talked about even just like the proposal process right like going through that process you know knowing because that's why that's another thing we like standardize like between one client and the other, we don't necessarily have different like rates or whatever it is. It's like, this is our thing. Yeah. Sometimes we'll change things around. If it's like a long-term client, there's like very little to it, but everything still stays within the same format. And so I think at the core of the business, and this is why I'm such a proponent of systems and infrastructure, because coming from a PM background, if you don't have that, everything comes down crumbling. And I made that mistake starting my agency very early on because I was wearing so many hats that I couldn't really document things properly for the next person to come in and just jump into things. It was always like, you know, it's, it's like trying to, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm working. Let me document. But while I'm working, like, it's like this, you know, you got your hands in too many things and you're not helping them. You're not helping yourself. And so for me, that's always been, you know, when we, when we brought on Emma, who was actually a content editor and she was like, Hey, I think I can help you with all this operation stuff. And I was just like, Oh, okay. Like, here you go. Basically like do the thing. And she was like, I really enjoy it. And I'm like, can you just systemize everything and do the whole process? And that was like, you know, lifeline for her. So yeah, I think there needs to be some sort of like, for example, even my personal brand, like a lot of the stuff that I post, very rarely do I go and write stuff on the day to like post it. Mm. I try to work on three to four days out. Like I always try to push things. I'm trying to get to a place where I can have like a week ahead of like a, a week ahead already planned out. My content schedule will release. I can engage with, you know, whoever's engaging and kind of like 
start being more in like a timely manner. Um, but I think that there's there's a lot of work to do around there, especially when you have so many different facets of like business and I'm involved in so many different things, doing consulting, doing this. It's like it's you 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 want to be flexible, like you said in the beginning, when it's like somebody from a different country, but you also at the same time want to be like, hold on, I built a system for myself to not have to you know, stretch myself too far. Like I'm still trying to work within those guidelines. So it's a work in progress, man. Do you, do you find that you're someone who like is, is good at codifying like process development, building out the the system and then documenting it? Because I feel like the thing I like to do is come up with the process, but the actual documentation side of it, like I, I always joke my, uh, my partner, she's, a project manager and she like loves to like recap things in emails and take notes and like put things in drives and like organize. And I am not a big fan of doing all of that. Um, so I need like that. I need like the bat, the Robin to my Batman to like, come, like here's the process. Now like you document this for me and like, please put it all together. And like, so everyone that's, knows what's going dude, on. Dude, That's absolutely me, dude. That's so I didn't. Uh, so a funny thing is I think that ends up coming with like some of the delegation too. It's like in the beginning, I wasn't really like that because everything depended on me. But then I kind of came to find out that I'm like, Oh, I'm not so great at this. So like, let me just hand it off to somebody else. But that was that you're, you're, absolutely right i'm like the person i i have the best brain dumps dude like i I can throw shit onto a paper like nobody else can but then like and i love formatting this is the really fucked up part like i love formatting i love cleaning (laughs) stuff up i love making it look pretty but when it comes to like turn that one piece into like a five piece thing and like really structuring out like all the nitty-gritty details i'm like get this away from me now (laughs) like get this off my desk because it's never gonna get done (laughs) And you never find a more valuable like team member or employee or whoever, like, like a, a component to you yeah. that can do that. Because there's some people that are amazing. And whenever I see them, like they're a wizard, like they can just take, okay, they can Emma take used to be called of all these ideas. Yeah. Emma used to be called the ops wizard at our, at our company. I'm so glad you just said that. Like her name before she became COO literally used to say ops wizard in there. That's so funny. That That's you- so funny. <laughs> that's too good because yeah i mean like and I, it's the same way they you know they they may have ideas occasionally and you know come up with some things but they're they're very good integrators so it's like especially you know you're you founded the agency you worked as a, a freelancer there's like a, a visionary component like yeah. the person who's I, idealizing coming up with the parts of the business and then there's integrators right people that are actually making sure mm-hmm. that your visions become reality and and that's where the delegating piece comes into it i'm, I'm actually curious when you hire somebody um, and you know, you're bringing them on, what, what is your kind of like litmus test? How do you, how do you do that when it comes to the hiring for taco or for if anything in your life, really, when it comes to like bringing somebody in to work on a project with you, what do you look for in someone? And like, how do you suss that out? I don't look at resumes. That's for sure, dude. I do not look at a resume. Um, uh, to be quite honest, I, I, there is sort of this like pre-filter that I have, uh, one would be, um, so if I reach out to somebody, let's, let's, for example, just even use Upwork for the sake of this conversation. So I'm hiring somebody on Upwork, whether it's a project manager or whoever it is. Um, uh, one thing is always seeing the response. I think when you see a response from somebody that's actually, and listen, if somebody fools me with this by, and they wrote this really nice template, props to them. I will bite to that every time. But I can usually tell after so many years, like who is authentic and who's not. Like you can kind of see if it's like, you know, it's like the person that just gives you everything that they can do. And you're just like, I don't really care about that. Tell me about, you know, something cool that you did. Give me like, 
Do you have a dog? Like, what do you do on your day? Like, give me <laughs> something that I know. It's again, going back to that human aspect. It's like, give me something that will tie me be like, I can get along with that person. And so I think it comes down to that. And then the other piece of it is, um, you know, obviously attention to detail to like the, the sort of the application process and being like, you know, you, people used to do this all the time. It's like, put this word in the subject line if you really read this whole thing. That still works, unfortunately, unfortunately and for, unfortunately, because people don't pay attention. I feel like you lose 50% of people on that one. It's, it's like it's, it's mind-blowing how many people don't do it. Exactly, exactly. And then, and then I think to me it's also like I love when people will just email me on the side or will like find me like whether it's on Twitter or whatever else it is and be like, hey, man, just want to say like thank you for that or, you know, I, I, I'm really pumped to hear about the job or whatever it else. Like, give me that extra little proactivity. Like, a, a, a taste of proactivity goes a very long way with me because everyone that we've hired at Taco, um, I've made some bad hires. I made some great hires. I've also been a part of not hiring the, the process of some of our recent PMs. But I realized that a lot of the components that we all talked about as a team when we did start doing this is, how do we identify the proactivity and the ownership piece? Because as a project manager specifically, if I if we're hiring you to come in and and really own this project and become, you're becoming part of the face of the company at this point. You're becoming a pillar to our business because now, now that client that's paying us this money, they don't associate Z with that project. That was maybe in the beginning, but you've overwritten that and you are now part of this component that the client says, no, so-and-so told me this. It, 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 accountability kind of shifts at that point. At the end of the day, I still take accountability for everything that my team does. But at the same time, like that person knows like I own this project. So like, what do we need to do to get this done? Because everything I've done for the past three months, if I don't finish it now, then it's all basically not gone to waste, but you kind of don't feel proud of it anymore. And so to me, yeah. that's always been one big thing. And we like label that on everything is be proactive, like whatever that little thing is, be proactive. And that's the same thing with me. When clients reach out to me or I reach out to them, I always want to throw in something in there and be like, this is the next thing. And they're just like, oh, well, you went one step above that I even imagined you would. That's great. Like, let's get on a call. And that usually works really, really well. Yeah, I, like, I totally agree. I think proactivity, like, I just call it like, get stuff done. Like, like yeah. people that will not wait for like, oh, I ran into an issue. Like, well, what have you done? Well, I just wanted to talk to you about it. Like, no, like, you should have like five things you've already thought of. Or like, what, what would you have responded to them? Like, and I can just approve, like, and say, yes, go ahead and send that. Like, that sort of an attitude, I think is, like you said, resumes I'm, I'm pretty sure like i don't maybe for corporate jobs and yeah. stuff or entry level like they're gonna be dead they're pretty much de like yeah. dead in, in my mind already i don't think anyone cares about um or at least in my experience yeah. it's very unlikely they care that much about your resume uh, the further you get out of your first job perhaps um and yeah like when it comes to to doing that proactive digging or initial pushing like I am a big fan of, I use an app, free plug for them, uh, called Vidyard. Okay. And I, I love to send little video clips in sales responses. And I, I've gotten so many compliments from clients saying like, love the little video explainer. That's so Just awesome. Because like if I send over a proposal and I walk through the proposal with them, it stops us having to get on another call because they had a question because like sometimes, you know, you go through a proposal and you might have one little question, but like I've already addressed it for you. 
or mm. I've already shown you the pricing and I've talked over top of it. So I think that's like, it's an, an, another step that just can separate you from the person who only wants to do the email. And it, I, I think that persistence, the second piece, like you said, the follow up with me outside of the way I got the job at Growth Machine, I, I told you this uh, before, but it's, it's a, I think a good story. Like yeah. I had to apply for this job three times to get it. Um, and I, I, you know, the first time I applied, didn't get it. And then I, I see it posted again and I, I hit not up and said, hey, see, it's posted again. Re- reapply, go a little further in the process. Didn't get it. Third time, come back and say, hey, the first two guys must not have worked out, but I still think I can do it. So um, why don't you say, what do you say? Like, do you want to do this again? Yeah. And then, you know, ultimately I'm, I'm still here. So I love it. It's, it's one of those things where like it, you, you know, especially for a sales position, I think persistence is a key thing. I don't know how many times I've emailed, it's like the eighth email to somebody, they finally respond to me. And like, I just had a, I got off a call with a guy I talked to like 18 months ago and like prospects looking good. So I, I think it's one of those things like having that initial and extra effort that you can get somebody to apply. It's, it, not everyone has it. And um, it's super valuable when you find the people that, that do that. I, I, I so agree with that. And I think that also sets apart, like, I love the whole video thing, because, um, you know, I, I'm always, uh, I'm always thinking about that. And I love like tools like Loom and how easy they make it to like respond video to video and do all these great things. So to me, that's always been like a really, really important factor. Um, and I love that you guys do that. But you know, I, I think, it would be it would be one of those things where you know you could just throw together like some video and like you have this kind of like vague like default thing but i can tell you that when i even let, let, take a step back like when i'm working with developers right we we're working on something for a client now i'm not involved in the in the details of like how this gets built like i give an overarching view like this is how it needs to work here's the process we do a flow chart whatever it is and then the thing gets built I can't tell you, I just had a call with our, our lead developer, Michael Hitako. Man, this guy, I cannot tell you what sort of standard he set for like documentation. I mean, dude, Nathan, like this guy is just different level. Like I got off a call like, or I, I, I got on a call with him. And before I even like said anything, I was like, I just want to tell you, man, like you just blew me out of the water like with with what you're doing i mean to the point of like every little detail that the client doesn't even fucking need to know about it he's just like nope this is how it works <laughs> and i'm like man bless your heart because you don't know how far this goes for somebody that's not technical when i can just sit there and literally read this and in my logical sense with my common sense put two and two together and be like ah that's how it works. Like this is how we're transferring information or whatever it is. So to me, that goes a really long way. And then on top of that, somebody creates like a video and it's like, let me just guide you through it as well while while you're reading. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my God, bless your soul. <laughs> so I that's actually you- such a perfect thing, like to to as an example too, because like I, I'm not a I'm not a coder. I I have no technical yeah. software development. Like I can't I can't read Python or yeah. write it or whatever. But um, I've seen enough internet memes to know that like what sets the the men from the boys yeah. apart or whatever. Like the the great coders from the good coders is that documentation, yep. right? It's when your lead developer leaves and the next person comes in and something breaks. 
do they know how to fix it or do they go in and go, I don't know how any of this works because like, yeah. it's a mystery that it works at all. And like, yeah. And, it's, and it's then one of those, and then you know what ends up happening? Then that new developer's like, well, I need to refactor this because I have no idea. And then you're just like, Oh, we're now going 10 steps backwards when this problem could have been solved just by simple documentation and knowing like, you know what I mean? So it just becomes a, so no props to you on doing that. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm guaranteeing this is probably why when I was talking to uh, Nat, like, you know, a year and a half ago, he was just like, we need to send this kid on vacation because he's closing too many deals. It's probably because you're sending videos, dude. <laughs> and they're bespoke videos too. Like you said, I could create a generic video yeah. that everyone gets to see, but it's it's not. It's like I take a I show you your site on Hrefs and I take a look at your traffic and your top pages and I say, like, look, you're you're this is what I'm seeing. There's a huge opportunity here. This is what you're missing. Why don't we hop onto a call and discuss? Um, and like that, that goes way further than the generic canned video that, I mean, those have their place yeah. for certain things, but I think it's, it's like, we're saying, um, if you can actually go the little bit of extra distance, that gives them the confidence, like, oh man, this guy's doing this. And like, oh, I don't even work with him and I've given him no money. Right. What's he going to do when, when we pay them to do something? For exactly. Us? Exactly. That you hit, you hit the nail on the head with that one. That's literally what it is. When you show them that little piece, it's like, it's that whole saying, you, you, you give them a, uh, you give them an inch and they take a mile. They're just like, Oh, what's going to happen on the other side? Like, no, I love that, man. I love that. Um, no, th these are all really, really good points. And there's so much more to like figure out and like optimize around that process and like, you know, all that. But, um, I was going to say what, what sort of, what sort of changes are you guys seeing in the content world at the moment that you're just, you know, I know obviously there's been a lot of stuff with like on the ad side with like Facebook and iPhone and all these other things. Like, what are you guys seeing on the content side? That's like, okay, there's some changes coming down the, down the pipe on here. Is there anything? Yeah, I think. I think the inevitable like ch change that's going to happen is the importance of video. It's already here. It's just yeah. how much more important does it become and how much one of the things is, and you've probably seen this, right? Even, even yourself or people out there, when you do a Google search, occasionally you might get recommended like a certain segment of a YouTube video. So it'll be yeah. like, you know, at a minute 40 to, a, to two minutes, 10 seconds, like this is the answer to your question. So as Google gets better at indexing video and identifying content that answers questions within it, um, that that's going to be a, a massive like shakeup. The other thing is voice search, right? So voice search is one of the LinkedIn posts I, I was talking about. Voice search has grown, and it's one of the things you don't really think about. But smart home is is you know probably you know everyone who has like a Google Home or an Alexa or, right. or something, right? And everyone's smartphone can do it. And the way that you search is a lot different on uh, a, a text search where you type it in versus a voice search when you you know are typing something in you might be like i don't know best marathon shoe it might right. be something you type in but if you're on your phone you might say you know what's the best marathon shoe for a beginner like the search is way longer mm -hmm. um, and the search volume for that is very small but the person who's searching that they're giving a lot more information about their intent so it, it, like that's going to be one thing that changes it. The video aspect is going to be changing it. And I think those two things, as we just continue to progress along in time, it's, it's really going to be interesting to see how those affect businesses, especially voice as well. If you're a local business, we don't really cater to local businesses, but one of the most common searches that that's going to happen is like you bring out your phone and you say like ATM near me or like McDonald's mm -hmm. near me or whatever it is. Um, sunglasses near me, like all yeah. sorts of searches happen that way all the time. And if you miss out on the opportunity for like Chinese food near me, because 
you you haven't set up you know any any sort of your SEO from a search perspective. You don't have a Google My Business profile. You haven't done these things. Um, you're missing massive, massive businesses that your competitors can easily come in and take away from you. So I think that those are two big ones for sure. I'm I'm curious to hear what you see coming in the the Shopify side of the world and like the e-commerce because that's equally changing all the time. Well, I'll tell you something. It's so funny that you brought up the the whole voice thing because um, first I want to say um, the the fact that you brought up the whole Alexa thing. I don't know how much you um, listen to any like Gary Vaynerchuk's like. Uh, content, but he has a piece that he released probably about a year ago when I first heard it. He was at some like conference speaking and he goes, um, and, and this takes me right to what you just said is brand. If you t- say, I need a lawyer uh, and wherever you're located, if that person does not have a brand and they're not, they're not showing up anywhere, it's, it's only the first and only one that the person's going to click on is the one that's that's a. Hey, I need a lawyer in Boston. I need a lawyer here, whatever it is. And if you're not the lawyer in Boston, everyone else doesn't fucking matter. And that I think yeah. is a really, really big piece. Now, on the e-commerce side, I I've been sitting on this idea. I don't know, maybe like three or four months at this point. It's very related to voice. So I have this idea of uh, a post-purchase thing. So I, I kind of came up with this one, like Clubhouse was happening. What happens is, um, let's say I'm selling, you know, iPhone cases and I buy iPhone case A and that iPhone case is something, I don't know, a little bit different. I'm just using this as an example. Uh, A lot of people, from what I understand uh, and I see, is that a lot of people won't read all the descriptions about the product. They won't see any of this other stuff. I think the next move is... um, When you purchase a certain product, when you get to that confirmation page on Shopify, there's going to be a post-purchase voice memo from the founder, a very raw one that says, hey, uh, Z, or, you know, do some AI shit to figure out the name, pull the name from the thing. It doesn't even have to. It could be a vague message. It doesn't matter. Hey, uh, Nathan, um, just want to let you know, thanks for buying that case. Um, Here's how I use it. And here's how I use it on my phone. And here's a really cool feature. If you open up the case inside, you can store your uh, credit card. You're like, oh, shit, I had no Mm -hmm. idea. That's really cool. Thank you. And that comes directly from the founder. It's a very raw voice note. It's very personal. It's very uh, um, not only sales driven, but it's it's feature rich to the point. It doesn't have to be five minutes of him talking about the fucking iPhone case. It's just a simple little snippet of information that you're going to get from him that you're going to be like, oh, how would I how would I got that information any other way? I would have had to read the description. I would have had to read the guide. When I, Nobody wants to do that. Give me something quick and easy that's going to give me that insight on on that product. And I think that's the next move. That's like almost an evolution on the uh, like the SMS text follow up for like abandoned carts and things, right? That people exactly. use now, where it's like it's that's, that's like I always see ads for it that are. I'm actually we're going to be talking to a company. I think tomorrow I have a call with someone that is in this space where it's you know that that it's like something like two hundred and thirty percent more likely to get a, a response to an SMS follow up than to email yep. or any other type of follow up that you're sending to a customer. Um, so if, if you can get that and like, yeah, even if it's just a thank you, like, Hey, thanks for buying this iPhone yep. case. Like, you know, 10% of this is going to save dolphins or whatever it is, right? Yep. Like something that just like, Oh, cool. Like 
I learned something about my phone case that I, like you said, I would not have read in the description or the little pamphlet that comes in the box. Like you throw that out and you never think of it again. Exactly. And, and also, also having a reference point to those voice notes, right? Like, so dropping it into your Shopify account. So if you come back or you log in, you know, you get them via email, maybe you drop your phone number in there. Maybe you get them via text and say, Hey, go to this link anytime. If you want to hear the voice notes from our founder regarding this product and those voice notes over time can also be updated. Like if you have some new features, part of that product or whatever it is like you can you know especially digital products and different things like that so i think that's going to be sort of the next move and i i I see that as being like a really because people you know the thing with the video is as as great video uh, is is it's not easily um uh, it's not it's not easy to create it uh it's easy to create it's the wrong word but it's um takes much more time because people care how they look and that, I think, uh, goes a long way than somebody just sitting here in their pajamas saying, hey, I'm going to record a voice note for one of my new products. Like, they can do that anywhere, anytime. They don't care what they look like or anything like that. So I think that goes a, a different route. It gives it drops that wall of insecurity for people, and they can just talk on their phone. I think another thing, even with just video, like, is it, it sounds funny, but when you're talking about, like, text follow-up and things like that or, or like, being mm-hmm. able to... It, it's larger bandwidth, right? It's like, it's a larger file. It's exactly. like audio is still, it's one of those things you can record audio on your phone and send it. Like when you do the video thing, if you record it for too long and you try to send it, it's like, this file is too large. It'll yeah. come out looking really pixely or whatever it is. Yep. Um, so I, yeah, I think voice is in really interesting direction for where things are going to go. And it's, it's especially now too, like you see with, you know, you, you people with the little pixel buds or the iPhone, a little earpiece ones, like, it's we're getting to the point where it's so integrated and easy. You can just you already have your headphones in. You just you have your phone in your pocket and you can ask it to do something for you. Um, like if you whatever, like you said, like lawyer near me yeah. or like, you know, now even with the Alexa side. And I'm curious if you know anything because you're tied into the Shopify world. Maybe you've heard some news about something like being able to order on an Alexa. You can say, like, order me more toilet paper or whatever. And it can do that for you. Um, do you know if there's any sort of e-commerce integration apps out there where you could do that for your, your own like little store or like where, where maybe someone could get into this space like that? That's interesting. I have not heard of that. And, and I'm assuming that's because Shopify hasn't released their own version of that Alexa product because Amazon's always going to drive you back mm-hmm. to their marketplace, basically. So, of course, Alexa, yeah. yeah um, but so I, I don't know. That's a really, really good uh, question. I feel like Shopify will have to integrate and get some sort of like standard within that world because you know you're again you're you're supporting you know smaller businesses i mean there's obviously really big merchants and 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 things like that on shopify but um you know you're still majority of the time you're supporting you know individual like businesses you're not supporting like multi-million dollar ipo companies or something like that so um yeah i feel like that's a that's a really good point i i haven't heard of anything like that where it will take you you know it's almost like a filter search like okay we found socks but which one of these companies are actually like has this technology of like Shopify in there or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's it'd be much more complicated and a bigger problem to solve. Amazon's got the advantage. <laughs> yeah, sure. it's just uh, yeah, they it's you know Shopify is like I mean it's it's like the competitor in the sense right that I think yeah. of when I when I think of Amazon I think of like who's who's like the anti not anti Amazon but yeah. like the antithesis like the little guy the million little guys is um is the Shopify side but uh, yeah it's it's. It's something where lots, lots of opportunity for somebody to develop something too, right? There's yeah. all, there's all these incredible app creators and um, people on that. There's a whole other realm of marketplace on. And I think you maybe even have. Do you, 
you're, I know you've created a couple um, product businesses or like apps as well. Um, are any of them Shopify specific or is, I know like one of them, there's a, there's a tool one. Is anything else related um, to that? Yeah, we, so we had one app that we released a little bit over a year ago. Um, basically what it was, um, it was during the pandemic and we had been building this app to <clears throat> influence people who were just starting their businesses to keep like, to basically to keep going. So, you know, what we were able to do is we can say, you know, if you, if let's say you were selling, you know, like the screen cleaner type of thing and you're like, okay, this is a new product. I want to sell 10 of these this month. For example, that was your goal. Like, I just want to sell 10 of these. What we can do is we can tie a product to a goal and we can say, okay, here's the things that you need to do in order to get those 10 sales. Go post more on Twitter, go on LinkedIn, go do this, mm. go uh, write a blog post about it, go do these things. These are all like components that are going to get more clients. Go Go do an ad, like go run an ad. You might have to spend some money, but here's kind of the organic things that you can do. Um, and so, yeah, that was a really, really interesting thing. And um, I don't know if you had a chance on your iPhone, when you get a chance, go download an uh, app called Streaks. It's called streaks.app. And basically what it is, Nathan, is that you can set up, like, for example, you and I are both kind of working on this, like, personal brand piece and, you know, a lot of writing and things like that. And um, when I was doing a, my writing cohort, I, I set this up where, you know, it doesn't let you miss a day of doing something. So, mm. you know, you set a goal and you say every day, I want to do this thing once a day, uh, whether, whether it's like go outside and do jumping jacks or go get a coffee or whatever that thing is, that's going to move you forward. And I kind of wanted to bring that sort of aspect and like user interface into the Shopify space, because I felt like that was mm. very powerful because it worked for me, honestly, like 30 out of 30 days, I shipped writing, whether it was good or bad or ugly and great. I, I was like, I'm on a streak. Like, that's all I really care about is getting shit done and getting it out and deploying it. And everything after that was just another task. Like we just, okay, now we got to go promote it. We got to go do this. So that was always really interesting. And so when I saw that app and I was like, there's something here where we've already touched a little bit of that, you know, with our, with our app, but I feel, I feel like there's a different component that we can actually like parlay into where we can say, Hey, you know, you can set up these goals and, you know, text people and be like, Hey, your goals, like you're supposed to get your goal done by tomorrow. What have you done to sell like another one of these? So you can hit your goal and mm. like really do that follow-up mechanism. So, um, you know, cause there's a lot of people who start a store and they're just kind of sitting there. It's like, just because you build it, they won't come type of thing. You know what I mean? Like you, you have to do some stuff. You have to go on Twitter. You have to advertise. So yeah, there's, there's a lot, a lot of things there, but um, that was one of the main ones. Um, and Shopify actually reached out to us and they were like, we're going to promote this. This is a great idea, especially during the pandemic. Oh, that, that, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So that was cool. And we got like, I don't know, like over a hundred users or like a hundred stores to, uh, or 120 stores to like install it within like two days. Like it was pretty insane. Oh, wow. um, their distribution on that, on that platform is crazy, but yeah, it was, it, it was good, man. But um, yeah, I love seeing small businesses win, man. That's been always like my big thing. And that's, I think where I find my passion within the agency is that like, I really love seeing like, us do something for a client and then them just like eating it up, man, like loving it. It's making them extra money. Like we had a client recently, we integrated this like whole like quiz process for them and like, you know, filtered down their customers because they have like a really interesting like product, but they have a lot of it. And a lot of people, it's a very heavy product. It's a knife company and they do like knife sharpeners on a, a commercial mm -hmm. level. And do they just had this problem where these pieces are like, 
80 pounds and you're paying like three, $400 for shipping. And so they sometimes had to like literally eat the cost because it wasn't the right thing that somebody would, would order. So they're just like, dude, we're just eating, like we're burning money into the ground. Luckily, some of these products we can resell because they haven't been used or damaged, but some of them are not. And then we have to send it back and all these other things. And we put this quiz into place and it was a lot of work. And dude, not only did they increase like their, their average order value, but their support ticket system just was like basically down to nothing because we just, we already took that person through that process. And, you know, the product, when you look at it, it's like a little overwhelming. You're like, what is that machinery right there? But then once you get into it and you start to like, oh, okay, I use it 15 times a day. I'm using the like, oh, okay, let me bring you down to the actual like three products that you're really looking about. Don't worry about all the other noise that's out there. Yeah, I, I love the the quiz as a, an enabler because we we used one for Cup and Leaf um, or the business that was built. Yeah. But also too, like you look at some of the biggest, most fiercely competitive spaces in e-commerce, like uh, mattresses in a box. Yeah. Like the people that sell like, you know, the, the Casper and that. When you go to um, those websites, a lot of them, they'll be able to, you can like take, take a quiz. Like I know for Helix, it's like, are you a side sleeper or a back sleeper? Or, you know, do mm-hmm. you whatever do you prefer firm or soft do you sleep with somebody else are you a hot sleeper or cold and you answer these questions because it's the same thing it's like this overwhelming like you know it's especially for these things they sound expensive and heavy and you're going to make a purchase and if somebody can like kind of guide you towards it's like the 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 paralyzation of like having all the choices in the world you it's harder to make a decision but if we can narrow it down to like you want either this model or this model or this is the one that you need it makes it so much easier for somebody to like pull the ticket, pull the trigger, make a decision and like go ahead with it and feel good about it. And that's probably like you're saying the support ticket stuff goes down because like they actually bought what they wanted. Um, I but to, to, to the point, to the point just, of, uh, to the point of that though, I was just going to add, um, I had actually a, a really good call when uh, Octane, which is the quiz company on top of Shopify, when they like released that, I had a really call, a good call with their CEO and he put it, his name is Matt really cool guy him and uh ben are like the presidents over there and they're like really awesome and they explained it perfectly man they were just like think about your your experience when you walk into like let, let's take like a gucci store or a louis vuitton store like what happens the person asks you a couple of questions like okay what are you looking for are you looking for a bag are you looking for a wallet like what is your budget what are you looking to spend let me show like so you're creating that experience online in a way like you're giving people that rundown so that they can go to the aisle where they like i don't want to be in the banana aisle when i'm looking for medicine like yeah. you know what i mean like yeah. i don't need to look at bananas right now i just need my medicine or i don't need my medicine i just want my fucking bananas like one or the other like don't give me both of them because yeah. i don't need them so that, that i just wanted to add that because i thought that was a really good like my like a psychological way of looking at it is that you know you just kind of are you're 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 bringing the retail aspect of human interaction into a quiz format that allows you to filter down to what you actually need the banana medicine thing is such a funny comparison but it's so true because you you can i've done it you can spend an hour comparing bananas and like all you really needed was medicine the whole time right you needed to go pick up some time exactly like, oh, i've been looking at like two things i don't need and like should have just been looking at the other one exactly. um yeah i wanted to ask one one last question uh more like personal question yeah. about like personal, not really personal brand, but just yourself in the sense that um, as far as things that you insert or have in your life that are like imp- important elements outside of the work stuff. So I'm, I'm thinking like exercise, diet, yeah. uh, meditation, if there's anything that like, or maybe a couple things that you have as like sort of non-negotiables that you fit into either your day or your week. I'm just always curious what it is that uh, you, you put 
up on the pedestal. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple things. So uh, my dog is my son. So I always have to like be with him. I have to walk him. That's like my, you know, and that, you know, for most people that have animals, that's probably true. But like, you know, it's one of those things like he's my, he's the reason why I'm not sitting behind a computer for 24 hours. You know what I mean? Like I get a break in my day where I can actually go and do things. So that's like one. Uh, another one is cooking. Um, I tried to cook at least like mm. four to five days out of the week. Um, I love, I absolutely love like my girlfriend, uh, she, you know, works uh, in a company and she has like a hybrid schedule. I absolutely love just being able to make food and for her to get home and just like us having dinner. Like that time, like uh, in the morning, same thing. She just started getting on a schedule where she's working, waking up earlier, like waking up in the morning and having like half an hour, 15 minutes, an hour even just to sit there and talk and not have our phones, not be like, I mean, granted, there's some days where it's like just things start off crazy. You get a message or, you know, it happens. But one thing that we always try to do, it's like, let's have this time be for ourselves. Like, let's find a little bit of time to ease into the day than to just like wake up and be like, oh, I'm on my phone. Like, so there's a lot of that. I've uh, actually recently also started playing uh, pickleball a lot. Have you played pickleball yet? Oh, nice. Okay. Pickleball is amazing. Uh, so that's been like a really big part of it because I don't play uh, soccer anymore. I had a pretty bad injury. So I switched over to pickleball um, and I try to do that like three times a week, uh, sometimes more if I can. Uh, but there's there's some of those components where I every day need to do at least one of those to keep my balance across the week because it does get a little bit, you know, I do get a little bit congested. And I think for me now, uh, one of the big non-negotiables every day is writing, um, whether it's like, mm. you know, a paragraph or a long form essay or whatever it is. And even if it gets posted or I like repurpose some of it for like social media content, whatever it is, that's been uh, become like a really good like brain dump. And then the last one is just going to therapy, man. Like I've been going to therapy. I've been seeing a therapist for like two years. Um, and that to me is, uh, I think one of the things I can re uh, recommend to absolutely every person, uh, even when you don't feel like you have anything to talk to a therapist about, um, there's always something to talk to a therapist about. And I'm, I'm getting a lot more comfortable with leaning into the uncomfortable and really, uh, you know, going against the grain of like what I want to talk about versus like some of the stuff that, you know, you, you don't necessarily think that you want to talk about it till you open up the can of worms and you're like, oh man, this is where it stems from. Oh, okay. Like this is how, so it helps me work through stuff. It lets me kind of like, it gives me ideas to like be able to connect with other people as well and be like, oh, I just learned this in therapy. That's why this person is doing that. Like, let me reach out to them and be like, hey man, like I went through that same exact thing and this is how I dealt with it. Maybe it works for you. It doesn't work for you. It's okay. But here's maybe one solution that you can just put on your board. So those are kind of like, it's, it's a little bit of everything, but a lot of those things fall into at least one day. It's each one of those things. Nice. I, how about you? I have two dogs. So yeah, I say I, I got the two dogs. The dogs are the greatest excuse for all sorts of things. Everything, right? like, everything. Um, they make you get out there too. And just like, it's, you know, you, you never have a day where you didn't go for a walk. Basically I have a golden yep. retriever and I have a, a mixed breed rescue from Mexico and they, you know, I've always taken them out for a walk. I live somewhere. There's beautiful places to go. Yep. So it's, it's nice to do that. Um, I, I like to try and exercise in the mornings, usually three to four days a week at the gym. And then on the weekends, I, I really like to get out and hike. So I, I live in a place where hiking is actively available and, it's, you know, there's, there's mountains and lakes and all sorts of stuff to go out. So like the other day, actually, I was, I'm so lucky on a, on a Tuesday, I went and did a, a 17 kilometer for the Americans, like a 12 mile 
hike just on a Tuesday afternoon after work with, with my brother. So it's, uh, it's really nice to be able to get out and do those types of things. And I feel like great stress reliever, just, you know, good time to reset, put put the phone away, not worry about really what's going on for a little while, take the dog. Um, and then it's it's funny you mentioned the, the therapy thing because, um, I had, I tried therapy. I went to two sessions, maybe about a year and a half ago of individual therapy. And, um, I tried doing it online and I, it, it didn't really click. I didn't, maybe I didn't give it enough of a try, but then recently, um, about a month or two months ago now, um, my partner and I, we started going to a a couple's therapy. And again, Mm -hmm. like you're saying, not because there's anything wrong, but more so because just because you feel like there's nothing wrong. Once you sit down with the therapist and you start talking and you're there for an hour and like, there's always like something that comes up. And for us, what's been really helpful with having two people is you, you, you'll hear, you'll, you'll say something to them and then they'll respond. And then the therapist will be like, did you notice what you just did? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know. I didn't notice <laughs> anything. And they're like, Oh, well, this is what you just, this is what you did. And then they're like, you're like, Oh my God, like, do I do this all the time? And like you said, it just like all of a sudden you can be like, wow. And then they, they, they laid out a really interesting way of like, um, bringing up certain questions and things like where you'd say, Oh, I, uh, I, I feel this way. I, if you could do this for me, like that's my request. They basically set up like a way to say how, how something is impacting you, how you feel about it, how you can ask a question, make a request for them clearly what you want them to do. So it's been really good. Just like, you know, brushing up on the, on the relationship, making sure things run smoothly. I think therapy is something that almost anyone can benefit from. And I agree. I would encourage everyone to give it a shot. Even if you, you know, the scariest part is going and starting exactly. like you said, leaning into some of the uncomfortable feelings of, I'm definitely apprehensive every time, like I see it coming up. I'm like, oh man. Yeah, exactly. I'm gonna, again, I'm gonna, like, it's good when you do it. I'm gonna quickly, uh, I'm gonna quickly read you a, a quote. One of my really, really good friends uh, from LA. Uh, I told him, you know, since because him and I, when I lived in LA, we used to have these like, you know, one-on-one sessions at my house and like sit in a couch and you just start talking about same thing like you would do with the therapist. And my uh, one, one of my really uh, uh, good conversations with him is I was like, Hey man, since I left LA, we don't have our therapy sessions at my apartment. I've been seeing a therapist for the past year and a half and it's been awesome and really helpful. And he goes, Oh, that's cool. Lean into the uncomfortable feelings with therapy. Good job. And I was like, yeah, I brought up some of the awesome quotes that stuck with me. And he goes, quotes help me condense larger issues. It's like fast food for emotional stuff. And I was like, mind blown. I was like, you just literally described exactly how my brain works. It's like, I don't like this like long thing where you explain to just give me a quote and let me digest it so that I can get the whole scope of within like three words. It's like, again, it's that attention span thing that we have now because of all social media. But that to me was yeah. like, it's it's like fast food for emotional stuff and i was like absolutely dude so that was like really really cool um but yeah man this was this was awesome thank you so much for talking about all these things thanks for letting me into your into your world and and everything that you've got going on and um i highly encourage man just keep keep doing what you're doing especially on linkedin i'm doing the same exact thing i'm trying to get better every single day i'm trying to give people as much you know content and and share my experiences and things that I've learned and I fucked up on and all these other things. I think that's really important. I think we're in a world that where it's easier to share information. And so I just want to, uh, I'm rooting for you, man. I hope you continue building that brand and do whatever you, you decide you want to do and, and keep going down that road, man. I think it's awesome. Thanks, man. It's, it's been great getting to know you a little better and, and have another, a nice long chat here. Yeah. Thanks for letting me into your brain to <laughs> see, see what's in there and poking around. And, uh, 
we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see each other on the socials and hopefully again on another call one day in the future. So it's uh, looking forward to it and stay in touch, man. It's been great talking. I appreciate it. Thank you, Nathan. Well, you made it to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for tuning into What Is My Brain podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you got some value out of it. Make sure you hit the subscribe button or the follow button to get notified when new episodes are live. I'm out. Thank you.